This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. morning. Hey, this is a special season, isn't it? Yeah, well, that was underwhelming, I will tell you that, for sure. This is a special season. For how many of you, is this your favorite time of the year? We have any, yeah, 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 that's awesome. I was just thinking as I was praying through what we're going to do today, that for some of us, this month is, we can't wait for it to get here. We, some of us, even before Thanksgiving, we set up trees and do all that kind of stuff. But for some of us, it's going to be hard. We're going to sit down to a Christmas dinner and there's an empty chair that's never been empty before. I know I have several friends that are that are going through that this month and I'm praying for them already because that's a very, very painful reality for them. Um, For some of us, when we listen to people talking about their Christmas traditions and all the stuff that their families did, it just brings up one thing for us. How come I I didn't get that kind of childhood? Because it was never like that for me. Um, Here's the amazing thing about God. He has the ability to meet each one of us right where we are right now. And that's my prayer for us. And I I, want to lead us in prayer just at the beginning, and then we'll get into the teaching and some other things. God... I guess more than anything else, Christmas was your idea. And we're pressing into that. And we're so grateful that more than 2,000 years after that initial Christmas, we are still celebrating all that it means. Um, And that's pretty amazing. And and we're just so grateful that 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 was in your mind. And yet during this Christmas season, you know where every one of us is. You know those of us who are lonely and Christmas is going to be hard. You know those of us who have lost loved ones and this Christmas is going to be hard. You know those of us that just can't wait for this day to come because it's going to be so awesome and and it's going to bring back so many wonderful memories. And, and God, would you just meet us right where we are? Would you carry us through this season? And more than anything else, Would you help this to be a season where we feel drawn closer to you than ever before? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some people in our county, in in and around Petaluma, that Christmas is going to be tough. And I want you to think with me for just a minute about the homeless boys and girls. I know oftentimes for us, the face of homelessness are the people who sit or stand on the corner with the cardboard signs. And we have a tendency to think that that's really what homelessness is. But there are hundreds of homeless children in our county. And regardless of what you may or may not think about their parents, Those kids didn't make any decisions to put them there. Can you agree with that? Yeah. 
So here's what we can do about that. When you walked in, you walked by 10 feet tall Christmas lawn, whatever you call those things, blow up figures, okay? Um, we are sponsoring a non-gambling poker tournament designed specifically and only to raise money to buy Christmas presents for homeless children and their parents. And I don't particularly play poker. I'm okay. I would not be very good at it, but that's a thing for another day. But I'm going to make a donation anyway because I want to make sure that the kids in our county that are homeless at least have a Christmas to look forward to. Are you on board with that? Yes. So, yes. Go out and support... Even if you don't play poker, go out and make a donation and, and let's raise a bunch of money to help those kids. And I, by the way, word on the street has it that we have a bunch of people signed up, but we are six dealers short. So if you're interested in being a dealer, it's happening this afternoon. You can talk to Ryan who will be out there at the table. Now, having said that, let's jump into the teaching for today. It's all based on uh, a portion of the Bible that's an excerpt from a conversation between Jesus and a guy who would become a really good friend of his. As far as we know, this is their first ever conversation. The guy's name is Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus when he knew Jesus would be alone because Nicodemus had some questions about his faith. He had some questions about how faith in God worked. So he looked up Jesus and he started asking his questions. And this is how Jesus began to explain what was in his heart and mind. Okay? It is... I will get to that in a minute. I'm going to go back to the passage before that. This is an excerpt in a conversation between an angel and Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, who was Jesus' mother. And Joseph is all sorts of messed up because his fiance has turned up pregnant. That might shake you up too, especially if you knew you hadn't slept together. That would raise all sorts of questions, and Joseph is in a mess over that. And an angel comes to him, and this is an excerpt from that conversation. The angel says to Joseph, the virgin, Mary is a virgin, okay? Don't question that, Joseph. She is. She's going to conceive and give birth to a son, and they, that's the people, that's you and me, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now just pause for a minute to think. The average everyday person who would encounter Jesus, there would be something so profound in, in encountering him that they would walk away and spontaneously they would say, that guy is Emmanuel because God's with us. I want to focus on a word out of that. Because our desire at New Life is that in some way, this Christmas would be an Emmanuel Christmas. 
for you. The song the worship team just sang, Emmanuel, God with us. That in some way it will feel to you like God is more present in your life than ever before. Then it will be a great Christmas season. We're going to focus on that little word with. Because in some ways, it is the operative word in the whole, in the whole passage. You might say it's the most important word in the whole passage. God had always existed. Human beings had existed for thousands of years. But what made Christmas amazing is that they would be with each other. And that brings up a really important question. And it sounds kind of stupid when you read it. How with is with? I came up with that on my own. Are you impressed? (laughs) How with is with? Just two days ago, I was working on something in my office at home and Monica came in and she said something to me and she said, you're not listening. (laughs) To which I quoted back what she said word for word. To which she said, you still weren't listening. (laughs) And she was right. Even though I could quote it back word for word, I hadn't allowed the truth of what she is saying to settle in over me. You've never had a marriage moment like that, right? Yeah, like all the time. I was with, but the question is, how with was with? Yeah. What we're doing in this teaching series is we're exploring actually four levels of width. And each one is progressively deeper and more profound than the one we, that we talked about the week before. Now, I have a confession to make to you. As I sat down and began to study for this and read through things and sit with God and let my mind and my heart saturate on stuff, I was sort of ambushed by something that I guess was kind of in the back of my mind, but I never really realized it like I do now. And that's this. The driver behind with is love. And it sort of is like that with us. If you have a desire to be with someone, unless you're sick and it's the doctor... Okay, most other cases, if you have a desire to be with someone, it's because you love them. It's what draws you to them. It's why many of you will get in your car or many of your relatives will get in their cars or get in an airplane or, or, or jump on some mode of transportation and travel hundreds and in some cases thousands of miles to be with each other on Christmas. Because the driver behind with is love. So the story of with is really the story of love. Now, a while ago, I introduced a passage of Scripture that we are now ready for. This is the story of Nicodemus, and this is the story of him coming to Jesus with his questions about his faith. And when Jesus begins to explain how faith in God works, these are the very first words he says, these six, God loved the world so much. 
Now we realize because we live after that time and we are able to read the entirety of Jesus' life and everything that he taught, we realize that in those six words, Jesus was saying a whole bunch of stuff. For instance, we realize that when he said God loved the world so much, what he was actually saying was God loved people so much. It wasn't the mountains and the valleys and the flowers and the trees, although God loves what he created. But that wasn't what drew him to come and live on earth. It was the people. But digging a little bit deeper, we realize it wasn't just that God loved people so much. It's that God loved his people. And don't for a moment think that that means, oh yeah, all the people in church. No. Every single person is a child of God. We'll get into that a little bit more in a little bit. You know, when you're sitting around the Christmas table and you look around the table, some of you may be struck with this realization. These are my peeps. And in some cases, you're going to go, that's really awesome. In other cases, you're going, (laughs) but for better or for worse, these are your peeps. These are the people that you are inseparably connected with in the journey of life. Can I tell you that when God looks at the world, at people, at every single person, God says, these are my peeps. These are the people that I'm inseparably connected with in the journey of life. And it's even deeper than that. When when Jesus said to Nicodemus, God loved the world so much, he was actually saying, God loved his family so much. We'll dig into that a little deeper. Because something very, very, very profound was, a, was happening, and Nicodemus didn't realize it. Jesus realized it because Christmas did something amazing. You see, there's a whole spiritual world that is just as real as the physical world that you and I live in, only we can't see the spiritual world. But I can tell you what takes place in the spiritual world actually directly affects us. And we're going to dig into a little bit of that today. But what Jesus was really saying and doing was this. Christmas was about to change It reflects the change that God made in how he interacts with us. The way that heaven and earth interact was changing in a very, very real way. There was a diplomatic change in how the powers of heaven would relate to the people of earth. It's profound. God was about to change it all. You see, the truth is, God had always been for us. God doesn't love us more than he loved the people before Jesus came. God had always loved all of his people fully. But there was a huge change that was about to happen. Because Christmas marks the beginning 
of God choosing to be with us. God had always been for us, but heaven had always been heaven and earth had always been earth. And God had pretty much always remained in heaven once in a while showing up in sort of a temporarily materialized human form for a brief conversation with a person here and a person there. And once in a while in a vision with a person here and a person there. But for the first time ever, God was about to take on a human body for 33 years and not for a short conversation with an isolated person here or there, but with an entire nation of millions of people and a couple of times to journey outside the borders of that country and that nation and to interact with people of other nations. God was about ready to change how he interacted with his family. For the first time, God was choosing not to just be for us, but to be with us. And last week, Pastor Angela reminded us and taught us of something that's truly profound, and it's where this whole story begins, and that is this, love never chooses to love from afar when it can draw near. Never does. If it has the choice, it will draw near. So God chose. He chose to leave heaven and to move into our neighborhood. So how with is with, it means to live with in our neighborhood. But it goes deeper than that. It's as if God was choosing, it's as if, as if God was asking himself, how would their lives change if I chose not only to be for them, but if I chose to be with them? And so God left heaven and came to earth and was with us. That was the question God was asking. What if I choose to be with them? But you know, I've learned something in life, and I suspect that if you're a parent, you've had this feeling too. If you're married, you've probably had this feeling. I remember so specifically laying on the bed one day when my kids were all preschoolers. And there were three of them. Well, maybe the oldest one was in kindergarten, but they were all on the bed with me. And I had just finished reading them a story and they were getting ready to take a nap. And there we were, all three of us on Monica's in my bed. Monica was somewhere else. And I was sitting there with a kid in each arm and a baby on my chest. And I was so overwhelmed with love for them. I was hugging them. I was laying on that bed. And I remember thinking, but I want to be closer. I couldn't get any closer. They're right here. I just wanted more. I, I, if there was a way that their body and my body could, could sort of have occupied the same space in our space and time continuum, I would have done that. Because... When love is overwhelming and it's deep and it's pure, being beside just isn't close enough. I know if I felt that in my own fatherly love, I know God had to feel that in his divine love. It just wasn't enough. 
So God started out by asking, what if I chose to be with them? And then God pushed it way deeper when he started asking and perusing this question, what if I chose to become one of them? Not just to move into their neighborhood, not just to live near them, not just to be with them, but what if I chose to become one of them? Wow. In your mind, I want you to think of the relationship between an ancient shepherd and the sheep. In many, in many of our cases, we read the psalm that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Unfortunately, it's often read at celebration of life services, and it's a great picture of life. But it's as if the shepherd said to himself, What if I became a sheep? I wasn't just with the sheep. What if I became one of them? Now there's a profound irony in this, in that the Bible very clearly teaches us, and God very clearly says, that in creation, God was making us in His image. I don't want to pause on that for just a minute. It's just a bonus part. It's not really part of, of the rest of this. But I, but I want us to saturate on this for just a minute. You see, God is saying to you, I have made you in my image. I don't want to get into the pros and cons of evolution and all that sort of stuff. And that's a subject for a different day. But I do want to say this, any form of evolution that explains away the need for God cannot be true. There are forms of it that incorporate God. But any form that explains away the need for God and the existence of God cannot be true. Because there's just too much evidence and there are too many questions for which an atheistic or a godless evolution has no answer. And this is one of them. There's something about you that is made in the image of God. You are a child of God. And I don't want us to miss this. Regardless of your skin color, regardless of your gender, regardless of your sexual orientation, regardless of what you believe about Jesus or don't believe about Jesus, regardless of your behavior, regardless of your dysfunction, your addiction, it doesn't make any difference. No matter who you are, you are a child of God. To be loved, to be nurtured, to be protected, and to be treasured. Are you on board with that? Yeah, that's everybody. That's everybody. In creation, God made you in his image. But in Christmas, look at this. God made himself in our image. How backwards is that? Huh. 
You see, God created you in his image because someday he's going to invite you to come and live with him eternally. That's his goal, always has been his goal. But in the meantime, he recognizes you and I live in a broken world that has lots of challenges. And God said, you know what? Just like I want them to experience my world, wow, I want to go and experience theirs. So I will make myself in their image. God guided the writer of the book of Hebrews in the Bible to pen these words, which are really helpful because they give us an insight into what was going on in God's mind while he was making all these decisions and asking all these questions. And here's what the the writer of Hebrews wrote. Because God's children, who's that? Us, right? Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood. And then he digs into some of the reasons why. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power the devil had over death. We'll talk about that in just a minute. He goes on to say that's why he had to enter into, and I love this part, every detail of human life. Jesus wasn't spared anything in this human life. He got the whole thing. Since he himself has gone through the same suffering and testing we do, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Now there's a theology in there and there's a humanity in there and I want to dig into both. So here's the theology. It was in the first part of what the the writer of Hebrews was saying and and, and before you get too focused on the screen, remember a while ago I said there are things that take place in the spiritual world out there that you and I can't see, but they directly affect us? Well, it's very clear that prior to Jesus coming to earth, that the devil actually had control of the power of death. And you know what? He was very successful with it. He was literally killing all of God's family. It was very clear that heaven had the power of life. The devil couldn't make anybody alive, but he could kill them. And since death has no part in heaven, no one in heaven had ever tasted death. It's not a part of that world. So no one had ever really demonstrated having control over the power of death. And there's only one way it could happen is that someone from heaven would come to earth and allow the devil to kill them and then to raise themselves from the dead and therefore wrest the control of death from the hands of Satan. That was all going on in the spiritual world. And so Jesus took on a human body so that he could allow Satan to kill him so that he could raise himself from the dead and take with him the keys to death, to heaven. Where eventually, as we read the rest of Scripture, we learn that eventually Jesus will banish and do away with death. Are you ready for that? I would do that today. Yep, I'm in. Yeah. 
That's a piece of theology that you and I need to be aware of. Christmas was the prelude to Jesus taking the keys to death. That alone makes Christmas a big deal, right? A huge deal. But there's more to it than that. You see, Jesus wanted to become a relatable friend to you and me. And I apologize for anything I'm going to say in the next few minutes that brings up a tough memory for anybody in the room. But it's the only way I know how to illustrate it. Okay? If you struggle with depression, no one can help you the way somebody else who struggles with depression can help you. You know that to be true. If you're going through or have gone through a miscarriage, no one can help you like another couple who has gone through a miscarriage. Because when we know someone has gone through what we're going through, there's an openness and a vulnerability that we have toward them that we literally don't have toward other people. We'll know that. Well, if Jesus stayed in heaven, then all he could do was give us clinical answers about our problems. So he did it to become more relatable. Now, there's a TV show called Undercover Boss. Okay? And the whole idea behind, behind Undercover Boss is the CEO of a corporation will take off their suit and they'll, they'll don the clothes of an everyday employee and they'll assume the responsibilities of an everyday employee. And the idea behind it is they want to know what it's like to actually be at the bottom of the company that they're in charge of and they want to know what it's like to be an ordinary everyday worker. And usually, in fact, every episode that I've seen, by the time it's done, the boss has, has been significantly touched and changed by that experience. Huh. And when the everyday employees find out who they've been working beside, they usually end up with a greater appreciation for the world the boss lives in normally. Huh. Long before Undercover Boss, Jesus did Undercover Boss. (laughs) They stole the idea from him. I bet they're not giving him royalties, however. Yeah, he was the original Undercover Boss. But there's a humanity side that that sort of bridges. And that is, Jesus didn't want to come and just experience what you and I experience. He wanted to come and feel what we feel. It's really easy to pay attention and get focused to the divine side of Jesus and to miss the human side of Jesus. To think he had perfect knowledge and therefore nothing ever shook him up. No, if you read the story of Jesus, you realize that though he was divine, he was fully human. And part of what Jesus wanted to experience was he wanted to know what it felt like to be hurt so deeply by another human being that he cried 
and even sobbed over it. Have you ever done that? You probably have. He said, I don't want to just see that. I want to know what that feels like. I want to know what it feels like to hit my crazy bone and have electricity jolt all through that side of my body. I want to know what it feels like to have my hands pierced, to know the throbbing pain that comes when human skin is pierced. I want to feel everything they feel. And listen, if you're a parent, and you're a good one, in order to parent your child well, you have to be able to put yourself in their shoes and feel what they feel. Because until you feel in your heart what they are feeling in that moment, you cannot parent them well. Are you on board with that? That's huge. That's huge. Your child is not an adult. They feel things differently. And if you can't remember what it was like to be a child, it's time to work on your memory. Okay? Because good parents learn to look at their children and they learn to feel what those children are feeling. But Jesus said, that's why I'm coming. I want to know it all. I want to feel it all. Because then, when my children come to me, they can know I felt what they feel. Mother Teresa raised millions, somewhere around $500 million to feed and care for the poor the poorest of the poor in India. And yet, she chose to live where they lived. She chose to live in the same kind of housing they lived. She chose to eat the exact same food that they ate. She chose to eat the exact amount of food that they ate. She chose to be poor so she would know what that was like. So that she could speak with passion on their behalf. So she could care for them. You see, Mother Teresa knew what God knew all along, and that is, love never loves from above. When it can love side by side. And so Jesus came not just to live in our neighborhood. He came to be one of us. To take on flesh and blood just like you and me. So that when you cry out to him, he can put his arm around you not as a heavenly being, but as a fellow human being. And he will cry with you.
and he will laugh with you. Because he's by your side. I want to leave us with a question. It's a great question. Just to ponder this week, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, ponder this question. What does Christmas say about how much Jesus loves you and how much Jesus loves me? God, thank you for my friends who are here today. Thank you for the amazing way that you are touching our lives. Thank you that it wasn't enough for you to just come and live in our neighborhood and sort of live in your own kind of house and be our our ready answer man to help us. But thank you that you came and lived like we live. And you experienced all that we experience and you felt pain and you felt sorrow and you felt joy and you felt laughter and you know what it is to eat and, 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 and to be way too full. And, and, and then you know what it's like to be hungry and to have not enough. And you just know it all. Not because you have divine knowledge, but because you have earthly experience as one of us. In this Christmas, would you increase our understanding of how much you love us? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.